Deadwood Soundwell. Hello, and welcome to Living With Your Dog. I'm Charlotte Peltz, a certified animal behavior consultant. I would like you to be able to contact me with any questions you may have regarding particularly behavior issues, but I can address other things as well. One of my favorites is nutrition. So we're here to help you, and Nate will tell you how to get your questions to us. To get your questions to us, just email livingwithyourdog at gmail.com. That's livingwithyourdog at gmail.com. And also, you can find Living With Your Dog on Facebook. Living with your dog, living with your dog, living with your dog with Charlotte. Hi, welcome to Living With Your Dog. I'm Charlotte Peltz, Certified Dog Behavior Consultant. One of my pet subjects, uh, as listeners are certainly going to recognize, is the pet feed industry. And Susan Thixton is somebody for whom I have tremendous respect. And she's got the truth about pet food, which is a blog. And I encourage all of you to get it so that you are up to date on what's happening. So this past week, she came up with one that I haven't seen the likes of this before. Things pet owners are finding in pet food. Oh, boy. Yeah. So she says, some disgusting things are found in pet food and reported to manufacturers on Twitter. And here are some recent examples. Foreign objects. And incidentally, these are not just supermarket shelf foods. All right, feeds. Okay. A pet owner tweeted to Neutro they found a dead rat in a bag of Neutro essentials. Another dead mouse rat was found in a bag of Canaday. And I've always rated Canaday as one of the top of the line, the conundrum, but um, from the standpoint of it's not, it's not a supermarket product, but a dead mouse or rat was found in a bag of Canada. An unknown object was found in blue Buffalo. A piece of metal was found in Purina one. That is something you would find in a, in a supermarket. A pet owner reported this piece of blue plastic to Hills pet nutrition Um, And says, yikes, I found something weird in a can of your science diet, sensitive stomach and skin food, blue plastic. I dug it out and it looks similar to a twisty tie. Thought you'd want to know. There were blue plastic pieces found in Purina Pro Plan. That's a supermarket variety. Um, Another unknown substance, Purina Pro Pro Plan by another pet owner. Unknown substance found in a can of wellness cat food. Blue plastic in dry wellness. Two different owners reported finding dangerous objects, a nail and what appears to be a pocket knife blade in Nutrish pet food. And there are pictures of these things, incidentally. Uh, this, This pet owner found mold in dry pedigree. Again, that's a supermarket product. This pet owner reported to Blue Buffalo what appears to be mold inside of a can of dog food. What? More mold in dry buffalo pet food. And this Bob Denham says, uh, Blue Buffalo, I need some help. But by my doggy, your life protection formula food and bag I just bought smells foul and looks strange. Uh, the bag, I put the bag away, threw the bag away before realizing the problem. Help. 
mold in Purina 1, mold um, in Arcana pet food, larva in pedigree wet food. Uh, what appears to be bugs found in Purina friskies. Uh, there were there were good news found in the tweets to pet food. The one below provided shows that more than more more and more pet owners are learning about the differences between pet feed and pet food, hmm. thanks to our army of educated pet owners and pet professionals. Um, Anne McCann, who has Newfoundlands. This stuff is not dog food, it's feed, nasty, disgusting stuff that can be added and, and the company doesn't have to disclose whether some of the feed was decayed animals that died other than by slaughter. Okay, another nutrish. Please know that veterinarians and animal nutritionists are directly involved in the development of our recipes, says Nutrish. <laughs> Please know that all of our products follow the Association of American Feed Control Officials, AAFCO standards, which strictly, strictly prohibits the use of 3D and 4D meat. And what Susan Fixon had to say to Nutrish is, by the way, Nutrish, your response to this pet owner is incorrect. The members of the Association of American Feed Control Officials do not prohibit the use of 3D and 4D dead, dying, diseased, and disabled in pet foods. Specifically, AAFCO member FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine states, and this is a quote, we do not believe that the use of diseased animals or animals that died otherwise than by slaughter to make animal food poses a safety concern, and we intend to continue to exercise enforcement discretion. <laughs> All right. Oh, geez. What does Susan that really Fixton, mean? Truthaboutpetfood.com. So that last line that you read in their defense, he was trying to, they were trying to defend themselves. What does that actually mean? What does what mean? What, that, what that AFCO last, or what, what the, the Dutrish people said? Yeah, that last line that you read there about they're going to oh, uh, that's, use that's discretion. The AAFCO and the uh, FDA. Okay, so this is, a, this is a statement. Specifically, AAFCO member FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine states, quote, we do not believe that the use of diseased animals or animals that died otherwise than by slaughter to make animal food poses a safety concern, and we intend to continue to exercise enforcement discretion. Okay, could quote. you put that in layman's terms, please? Let's read through the lines and, tell, and see what they really okay. told, just said. What this uh, says is that, uh, yes, there is a law that says these the food that you buy for your dogs and cats should only have slaughtered animals, animals that are slaughtered for that purpose. But the association, um, the AAF steel and the FDA said, it's really not important. We'll continue to allow dying, dead and diseased animals to go into your pet's food. What they didn't state is, and we won't tell you which foods have them. Wow. So you cannot know. So they just specifically just said right there that they don't care. They're not abiding by the laws That's right. and we just have to deal with it. That's right. That's exactly what they're saying. Up yours kids. <laughs> That's okay. That is what I wanted to hear. That is reading through the lines and breaking it down as simple as possible. They're just saying to hell with y'all. That's right. 
Yes. Wow. And so uh, the 3D and 4D meets, that is that the dead, dying disease? That's Those are the 3Ds? Yeah, right. It's Actually, I think it's dead, dying, down, dead, dying, down, and disease. Yeah, those down. are the fours. Okay. okay. And the, another thing that is not enforced is euthanized animals. The drug is there being used in pet feed. So the package of food that a pet feed that you buy could have the euthanasia drug in it because it doesn't go away in the processing. And they found that already. I mean, with this report, there's foreign objects and all that stuff, but we found that chemical or yes. somebody's found that chemical in dog feed before. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been tested again and again and again, and it turns up regularly. Most of the time it's, supermarket type um, packaging food that it's found in. So we're not saying that all products that people are out there buying are going to have these problems, but you don't know because you they don't tell you. So if you continue to buy packaged food for your dogs and cats, it's probably a good idea to contact the company and find out whether they allow that or not. And if they say, oh, it's proprietary information, my suggestion to you would be don't buy the food and let them know you're not going to. Totally. So, yeah, we got to let these people know. Yeah, um, no, this is this is this has been going on forever and ever and ever. And it's we're simply not the public is not aware. We have listeners that hear me spouting off about this time after time after time. Yeah. But the reality is that unless you're dealing with an alternative medicine veterinarian or with us, with Susan Thixton, you're never going to know. Now, there are withdrawals of pet feed food on a regular basis. But again, unless you're on a mailing list, that knows that. And very often those withdrawals of, of pet feed are because of salmonella presence in the product, which is not a problem for the dogs. Dogs can get salmonella, but that's primarily in an animal that's already seriously diseased, immune system deprived, whatever. They can harbor E. coli and salmonella in their gut and they never have any symptoms from it. The issue is the concern for people that have been feeding this stuff. They have contact with the food. They may be at risk. That's not what's being explained. They're just simply saying it's been recalled because of the salmonella. But it's not a concern for your dog. They, dog's digestive systems are short compared to ours. So the bacteria can exist in the gut, but it's... It's uh, not there long. It's not. Lo it's not there long enough to be developing and growing and pr pr producing symptoms. Whereas with our long intestinal tract, it has plenty of time to multiply and cause us to be ill in the process. So it's it's not a concern. Um, I I know, for example, whenever somebody new to the idea of feeding raw chicken chicken oh <laughs> you can't be chicken to your dogs oh my god I, have yes. salmonella. I hear that a lot yeah and you cannot should not ever feed cooked bones ever 
because they get brittle and they can be um, a threat to the to their gut with their sharpness and so on but raw it's not a problem so angie gets because she's not very big she's only about 30 pounds 32 pounds she gets a piece of a chicken back every morning for breakfast every morning i can assure you she has never ever had anything to suggest that it's not getting doing just fine for her she also gets two raw chicken feet for dessert after dinner and she would jump through hoops of fire to get those chicken feet <laughs> they are the highlight of her day so it's it's sad that this information is prompted but again keep in mind when your vet says oh you can't do that it's you know blah 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 uh, your veterinarians nor do your medical doctors study nutrition when they're in school what veterinarians get is probably, and this is continuing according to my vet friend, Kitty, um, to this day, they will have possibly a couple of hours of a presentation from Hill Science Diet or Purina. That's a nutrition education? I don't think so. So you cannot trust your veterinarian to direct you when it comes to nutrition. We harp about the necessity for it to be balanced. It's not rocket science. Yes, it does need to be balanced, meaning you can't just throw some meat in the bowl and say, oh, I feed a raw diet. Wrong. They have to have a calcium phosphorus balance. And it's 1.1 calcium to 1 point uh, phosphorus, meaning the meat. And so what you want is you want bones they can actually eat. I, I always discourage people from getting the bones that seem to be so traditionally advised for dogs and those are the great big marrow bones they're yeah. weight bearing bones they will crack teeth very very likely that they can crack the teeth especially for an aggressive um chewer but they're not raw meaty bones the dogs can't eat them they need to be able to consume the bones so i.e she gets a piece of chicken back the the dogs that belong to yanni and joseph where i live here uh, they get a turkey neck for breakfast. They're bigger, much bigger. So they, the, they're two sizes. And so the, the Labrador gets the bigger part of the chicken neck or the turkey neck and the, 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 um, Bella, the little one, she's smaller, not real little. That gets the other part of it. So we're talking in terms of that's a raw meaty bone. That's breakfast. Doesn't get any harder to do than that. You just, there you go but then at dinner time i there's some kind of more of in the way of the source of, of different proteins that are a good idea and i always mix up a batch of a vegetable fruit combination that she gets in her dinner meal and the the source of protein varies it's pork and it's turkey and it's cottage cheese and it's organ mix you have to have organs at least once a week beef heart is a good source you can get a, an organ blend up at redwood meat company in eureka and you have to buy it in quantity i think like 20 pounds but defrost it and package it in smaller amounts and there you go you've got that problem solved
very important. And I think most of us are a little squeamish about handling organs. So this way, they're, they're pretty much all mushed up and you're not going to be looking at an eye or anything like that to get you really upset. So <laughs> it's not rocket science. No, it's not rocket science. All right. Going back to this nasty feed, you uh, a couple of times mentioned, but didn't go into it. I'd like to, for you to explain a little bit more the difference between the store, the, the store market feed. Oh, okay. And I'm not the, talking what, in terms of store. I'm talking about your local supermarket right. as compared to what you're going to find that is being sold in the vet clinic office. Okay. All right. So in the, in the supermarket, they're going to sell you the things that are being regularly advertised on, on TV, pedigree, mm-hmm. Purina. Okay. Purina dog show, you know, pro plan. Those are the products that make up probably in excess of 90% of the dry food that is sold to people. Your veterinarian is going to be selling something that um, is supposedly superior. It's still processed food and it is going to be superior in that the chances are less not non-existent but less likely to have some of these despicable things in there uh, it could have it like you mentioned with one of the things that was that was found in the hills a product which is generally sold only in veterinarians offices but there's, there's been some lawsuits here in California about them declaring some of this stuff prescription food. It really isn't prescription food. And I don't know what the status is of the, the big um, lawsuits that are in the process of uh, being handled. I understand, and I haven't checked this, so don't nail me to the wall, please. But I understand that you could go into one of those like Petco type places that are a major chain and they'll write the prescription for you. <laughs> and they sell it there. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that the teenager who just got out of school and is coming to work, the high school kid teenager is going to give me a prescription for my dog? Yeah. What? <laughs> and that's something that I read just recently. That these, these some of this, not all of them, but some of these so-called prescription foods are being sold in places like Petco and I don't know, a couple of other, those big things and um, that you can go in there and get it. Yes. But they're not, it's truly not prescription and it's, it's illegal to indicate on the packaging that they are going to cure any disease. So that the wording is generally going to lead you in the direction of curing or preventing disease, but that's not the case. Now, there are definitely health issues that require special diets. There are dogs that have kidney problems and have liver problems. Many many times, probably all of the time, caused by the food you've been giving them all along. But by that, they need to have a diet that helps them. And my friend Kitty, who is a veterinarian, said that a couple of these prescription diets are valuable considerations. That doesn't mean that you are unable to prepare them at home, but you have to do a lot more research to be able to prepare it properly. And and there's still, there's controversy about if there's a, a 
a kidney problem, whether you have to stop with the amount of protein, it's much more the source of protein, what the origin is, the quality of it. And I think it's an up, it's a, this, a subject that's being discussed. And it's something that I think is really important to be dealing with a veterinarian that does alternative medicine, not not the, the veterinarian that's selling you Hill Science Diet or um, Canaan, uh, whatever. So I think you need some help. It's also something that one can investigate. And then we know Dr. Google knows everything. So you have to be careful that it's not all going to be good information or, or appropriate information. But for example, one of the things that I remember reading a very long time ago, and I think it's still true, um, with the kidney problem, the, the special prescription diet had increased salt in it so that there would be more fluid taken. So I'm going to pay for a prescription diet because they're adding salt. Excuse me. And these things are not cheap. Yeah. They are. And people talk in terms of how expensive it is to feed raw. I never pay for the food that I pay. I won't say never. One time I did buy kidneys and I paid more than I ever paid for anything else. I think I paid something like $3 a pound for a, a big package of kidneys. But in general, the big issue that I understand can be a problem for hardworking people and raising families is the time involved. It's, it's not the same as just going into a bag of kibble and taking out a couple of cups full. It takes time to put it together. It takes time to shop. When I do her vegetable fruit mixture, I usually spend, including shopping, maybe two to three hours, and then I have maybe three months worth of dinner supply of vegetable fruit for her. So two yes, to three I have hours shopping, two to three, mixing, yeah. storing. Right, two to three hours there. for three months. That does yeah. not seem like a whole lot to me. No, it, it isn't, out. but there are people that say, oh, well, I don't have that, those three hours. Well, then, you know, get a pet rock. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be the next show, Living With Your Rock. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wrote down when you uh, were talking about, well, you had mentioned that the, the inclination is that the pet feed that you get at the vets are superior. Well, they're in my mind, they're only superior when it comes to how much you have to pay for them. Yes. Um, there, there, there are going to be differences in the quality of the ingredients in some of the products that are sold that are more costly. Price isn't always an indicator, right. but one can go into um, a pet feed food store like pet shops that have and and you can look at the ingredients on the packaging and you'll find that you know some of these are in excess of three dollars a pound so one of the things that makes a huge difference from one brand to another is how many sources of named animal protein are in the top five okay so we're talking Many of the, the stuff that you see in the supermarket is going to start out with corn. Instead of, excuse me, you're going to start off with corn instead of chicken or turkey or whatever. 
And we've talked about this before. If it says chicken, that means it went into the machine raw. And when it is dried out in the cooking process, there's a much smaller percentage of chicken than there is from the standpoint of the, the first ingredient being the, the one that's the most in there. So what will happen uh, when it's done well is then there might be like chicken meal following it, which would right. be dried product that is going to take up a bigger portion of it. But you want two to three sources, named sources of animal protein. You don't want poultry. You don't want meat. You want it to say chicken or turkey or salmon or pork or beef. You don't want it to just be generic. Why? Because you never know what it's going to be. There's no guarantee. It could be duck or it could be turkey or it could be chicken, depending on the best price. So if your dog has an adverse reaction, you could have been feeding that product for months and suddenly your dog has diarrhea and is burping and carrying on. Well, you have no way of knowing whether they change that product. And they never, the companies do not have to tell you of a change in ingredients unless it has gone on for six months. So they could be changing every other batch. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's why it's very important to be able to learn how to read the labels and get an understanding and keep in mind all of those unpronounceable things after you get past the first top five ingredients are in there to make sure that the dog is getting some of the vitamins and minerals it needs, but also the palliatives to make sure they eat it because right. most of the stuff they wouldn't eat otherwise. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so they, and folks who still feed that dog feed, it sounds like, uh, from this article by Susan Thixton that they should also inspect the food before they give it to their dogs. Absolutely. Open that, open that bag up, maybe shake it around a little bit, give it a smell. Cause Absolutely. I know a lot of times those things smell pretty rancid because they've been sitting on the shelf for yes. God knows uh, how long. Well, uh, the sitting on the shelf, it was like, it's, it's going to be, it'll be fine for two years. Excuse me. Yeah. But after you open it, mm. then it can really go. Now that doesn't mean it can't be, tainted and spoiled in the bag before you open it but it the fat gets really rancid quickly after you open it totally and if you're going to insist on buying this stuff you should keep it in the manufacturer's bag in case there's a problem so that you can refer to that bag that lot number etc 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 so if you want to put it in a bin put the bag into the bin don't just dump the food into the bin and stay away from those really, really, really huge bags of that feed because oh yeah, you can't oh, get yeah. you can't, unless you got twenty dogs. You, the thing's yes, going to sit. That's, that's a very good point. In your garage, you should for a buy while. something that you're going to be able to have them finish in a week's time, probably not much more than that. Um, you know, depending on what your, the climate conditions are where you live, if uh, your house point. is mm -hmm. air conditioned and you're not, if you're in a high humidity area, it's not going to last as long. Right. Those are all important parts of the feeding process. But, you know, and it, when I think in terms of where are people's brains, okay, I'm, 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 there <laughs> I am at the checkout and somebody in front of me has, you know, what looks like a 40 or 50 pound bag of pedigree Right. that's going to cost what 20 bucks or something what do they think could possibly be in there 
They've just come back. They've just gone past the meat department and picked up a couple of steaks and some, some hamburger. They know what that stuff costs. They know that it's several dollars a pound, maybe seven or eight for the steak and maybe three or four for the hamburger. And they're paying $25 for 50 pounds of dog food. And they think it's fee. If they think it's food, really? Now, we as consumers have been brainwashed for a few decades now that this stuff is good for our dogs and that our dogs like it. Oh, yeah. One of the things that just really blows me away is not very long ago, within the last couple of years, it's been discovered that dogs have actually developed a gene that allows them to more efficiently digest carbohydrates. Well, they evolved the scavengers, so that makes sense. There's not a lot of meat out there in, the, in that dump. What I think is just outrageous is therefore it's being said they need the carbohydrates. <laughs> Excuse me? That they have developed the ability to digest them better does not translate that they require them. Wait, so the dogs had to evolve and change their bodies without them knowing it, of course, but they had to evolve just so they can process survive with the crap that we feed them well primarily because of they were scavengers that's how they evolved the scavengers yeah. and and so in, in the dump you're not going to find a lot of meat right so you're going to find a lot of you know okay, bread so and it wasn't all the dog food so the the dogs are not the hunters that that wolves are they're they're they've evolved as scavengers and and we, of course, take advantage of that. And dogs can live for a long time without the food being proper and balanced, but that's not thriving. Yeah. And so much of, for example, alternative vet medicine doctors, and I totally agree because uh, I thought about this myself, cancer is going to take the lives of most of our canines most of them are going to die of cancer and nutrition pay plays a huge part in that. Now it's not all what they're eating because we are surrounded by pollutants and the dogs maybe more so because they're smaller, they're closer to the ground. If you have used pesticides on your lawn, they're more inclined to suffer from that. So if those things are going to play a part, but I don't think, that it's anywhere near the part that comes as a result of putting something in their bowl twice a day. Right. It's not healthy. Living with your rock, living with your rock, living with your rock with Charlie. All right. All so, right. how about from Zazie Dodd, Dr. Zazie Dodd? She's a PhD. I think it's a, a, it's a, a, a known how I feel about the brachycephalics, mm. the dogs with the pushed in faces. And this is what she has to say. In 2021, the French bulldog, commonly known as a Frenchie, became the second most popular dog breed in America. If there's an it breed of the 21st century so far, it's these dogs with their squat figures, flat faces, and outsized bat ears. American Kennel Club registrations for the breed have risen steadily for over a decade, growing by 
Jeez. since 2009. At around 20 pounds and perfectly sized for carry-on luggage, Frenchies have been marketed as the dog best suited to the lifestyles of the rich and quite possibly lazy. They don't even need much exercise for the simple reason that their numerous health problems can make too much exercise dangerous. Oh, wow. Rather than in requiring human owners to change their lives to accommodate a new dog, the French bulldog is a breed that's been broken to accommodate us. It's not uncommon for Frenchies, like other small, trendy dog breeds, to be house trained to exclusively go to the bathroom on tea pads, litter boxes, or turf grass inside an apartment or on a balcony. In 2018, they were the most popular pup in Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco, and in the top five in many other cities. The only breed more popular in America for the past 30 years has been the Labrador Retriever. The Frenchie is the most hashtag dog on Instagram. It's in ads on television, a celebrity favorite. Demand for those is so high, they can easily cost up to $5,000. There's enough money in them that they have inspired multiple robberies. Most famously earlier this year, when Lady Gaga's dog walker was shot and two of her Frenchies, Koji and Gustav, were stolen. Okay. Part of the reason for Frenchies' exorbitant cost is that the dog's head are so large Litters usually have to be delivered via C-section, an expensive veterinary procedure. The dogs can also cost their owners thousands of dollars down the line because they're prone to a multitude of health problems, including skin, eye, and ear infections. There are also the breathing issues common to all brachycephalic breeds, those with flat faces, that can cause respiratory distress, heat intolerance, since the dogs have to pant to cool themselves off and frequent vomiting. Later in life, Frenchies can show signs of more serious issues like painful spine deformations and nerve pain. That little curly tail is part of that issue with the spine. Some of these health issues can be lessened by careful breeding versus buying from a high volume breeder, more commonly known as a puppy mill. But many are a direct result of the appearance people want their Frenchies to have. The expressive face with large ears and eyes that make it seem like they're always a paying attention to us. A 2017 study published in Animal Welfare found that people who buy brachycephalic breeds do so primarily for the dog's looks, followed by how well suited they were to the owner's lifestyle. The Frenchie's appeal isn't just aesthetic, but vaguely narcissistic. We've bred them to look more like us. <laughs> says Alexander Horowitz, a dog cognition expert and author of Our Dogs, Ourselves. I just finished reading it, and it's a good read. They have a small nose that's closer to their faces. Their eyes are more wide set. Even their smile is vaguely human. When they vocalize or talk, in quotes, and eerily, it eerily mimics the tones of human speech. Princes make it, Frenchies make it easy for owners to project themselves onto their dogs without having to listen to what the dogs are actually saying. If my husband hadn't wanted one, I wouldn't want to financially support the industry, says Alana DeForce42, who has two Frenchies. Rather than buying a puppy, she spent years contacting rescues before she adopted her first one, Wu, followed by Donut a year later. For me, it was a way to show my love for my husband to push this ball up the hill of finding a Frenchie. End of quote. DeForce acknowledges that breeds many health problems. That said, she says they are so adorable and sweet. When she goes out with Wu and Donut, two people have a tendency to fawn all over them. Having a Frenchie has made her feel like she's part of an exclusive club. 
a restaurant near her home in Kansas City, Missouri, even hosts Frenchie Fridays once a month. She likens people with the squat distinctive dogs to those who bought the DeLorean cars in the 1980s. In our corporate culture where everyone has the same Honda Civic, people crave individuality. Now that Frenchies are so popular, it's like people are standing out in the crowd together. After all, it's human nature to want to belong. Yeah, that that's one of the things that I've been writing down here is uh, you said narcissistic, uh, or at least Zazie's Todd did. Uh, they're part of having a Frenchie is being part of an exclusive club. These are just people following trends and wanting to be like their neighbor. That's right. And that's it's being no promoted. It's being, I mean, one cannot open a magazine without seeing a Frenchie promoting something. And I, it's very sad that sometimes when I see articles written by a veterinarian that I know is against this, and the article will have a Frenchie at the beginning of it. And that's because I don't think that the people writing articles for magazines have any control over what photographs and stuff are put in in context with their their letters. I think Yeah, there's usually a graphic arts person who yes. does that stuff. And because they're popular, these people are promoting them and you know, I've written a couple of letters and saying if you're going to promote them fine, but why don't you list all of the problems why these people are going to have when they put their money out for this dog? Uh, speaking of promoting the Frenchie and the other Brachycephalics, I have a story to tell. And okay. uh, th- I, well, you know it. And I'm about to have you tell them what you told me. I was given a lesson by Charlotte because, I, as I've said before, I love, as most people do, I love watching the, the videos on, on the internets about the dogs and the cute dogs. Well, I found one where a French, I think it was a French bulldog, it was a bulldog. And it loved to skateboard. That's, it. that's the that's the English bulldog, yeah. And I love. I'm a skateboarder, or at least I used to be when I was young. And I thought this was the coolest thing that that this dog was so in love with skateboarding. I sent this video to Charlotte, and Charlotte, what did you tell me? <laughs> I said, "Well, it's promoting the breed, and I cannot forward this to anybody because I cannot bring myself to promote the breed. They have so many health issues." They cannot deliver naturally. They have to use a rape rack to breed them. What? They can't even breed naturally. A rape It's rack. called a rape rack. You uh-huh. should think of a better name for it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what it's called. And wow. they have, I think, a higher rate of canine hip dysplasia than German shepherds. Wow. All of those wrinkles that you see grime and crud and stuff gets caught in there and requires attention uh, causing problems obviously breathing is a huge problem Um, the list goes on so yes that dog was having a ball but I'll bet you it wasn't the middle of a hot day I'll bet you money because the dog cannot possibly pant enough to be able to sustain that kind of activity when the temperature is up and the, the sun is hot. So I told you, and I knew you enjoyed it, and it was it was you know cute if one is thinking in terms of the behavior. It's not cute when you think in terms of what the dog is actually suffering. And, and so I don't forward things like that. In fact, anytime I get some, you know, lots of cute things come across, anytime 
that I see doggy stuff that includes Frenchies. It includes things that I think are dangerous in spite of, sometimes it's not possible just to eliminate the unwanted. Uh, and so I just don't forward it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fussy about that stuff. Yes. I was schooled this week by Charlotte because of a video. <laughs> hey, this is something I need to learn though. I totally get it. I totally get it. And you, you know, it was adorable and those dogs are adorable, but we are not doing them any good by following the trend. No. And, and anytime that those circulate, it's a promotion for the breed. Oh, I'm going to get one so we can go do that. Wrong. Right. And so wait, those dogs, they can't breed on their own. So they need help getting with each other. Well, if they and can breathe, they, but their breathing is, is very restricted. Breeding. I'm talking about breeding. breeding no, breeding. No, they cannot. Uh, from what I understand, they, you cannot just put the boy and the girl out there and say, make babies. They need help in adjusting their bodies that, and getting like on the, top the, or the whatever. The female has to be anchored in a way that, uh, and I'm not, I haven't seen it. I did see a rape rack at some point, and I, I suspect that you could you could find them online. Wow. But yeah, it just it just surfaced the other day with one of these things about the brachycephalics. Yeah. And, and then they can't give birth properly. Is no, it all? Can't. Do they always the the bulldogs always need a C section? I don't know that they ever can deliver because they've been bred to have such huge heads. And they've got big, wide across the front chest, but they're not very big around the hips. And the right. heads are oversized. So I don't think that they can deliver naturally. Wow. Now, and some of the brachycephalics probably can. Um, the, you know, the pug may be able to sometimes, but I don't think that the, um, it's let, let the dog out time. I don't think oh, that, that the, I don't think the English bulldogs can. Hmm. Rape rack. They got to come up with a different name than that. Although I guess it is kind of us humans raping those dogs in a in a matter of speaking, not literally. Uh, so Charlotte is letting Angie out. I'll take this opportunity to let you folks know that you can email us at any time with your question. We would love to answer your questions, and to do so, sure. you need to email us at livingwithyourdog at gmail .com. That's livingwithyourdog at gmail .com. All right, Charlotte, one of the other things that I noticed about these bulldogs is, yes, they do have what looks like a huge smile. So do dogs, and I've noticed this with other dogs too, is this some, are they really smiling? Are they really showing happiness through with their mouth as we do as humans? Or I am I reading so. into it? I don't think so. I think that when we see dogs that are happy, we're seeing uh, body posture, we're seeing the body wiggling. We're seeing tails wagging. You certainly see a different facial expression, the difference in the way the eyes light up and so on when dogs are happy compared to when they're afraid or they're fearful or they're angry. Right. Uh, so what we're seeing very often we'll see, and I think it really is cute, where the dogs will open their mouths and they show all of their teeth. They have learned that that gets reinforced because we visit that cute. She's smiling at me, right? I love it. Oh. So, so we reinforce it and the dogs learn to do it. Now, is it an appeasement behavior that starts off? I don't know. I haven't read anything about why the dog would do it to begin with what would cause them to do it the first time. The second time was probably because it got reinforced the first time, but why 
the first time around. Um, I'm not sure, but some dogs do it. And I do think it's cute. So uh, they probably are happy at the time because they're getting reinforced for doing it. But it's not an initial expression of being happy with the world as compared to all of the other signs that they do with their bodies. You know, for example, okay. I don't have to be gone any for more than than five minutes and I come back and Angie, she's she unfortunately is a, a breed that you know, her tail was docked. So she's only got about a three inch stub. And it is going back and forth 90 miles an hour. I've only been outside for five minutes. And there she is. She is. She's happy to see me. You came back. I'm not alone forever. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear, dear, dear. But there's no question about it. And she hops off and comes over to see me. And her whole body is telling me, but that little tail is going. <laughs> now, when dogs have tails, and there are different messages. They will swing to the right or to the left. But when you're talking in terms of if you just think a wagging tail is a happy dog, you're going to get bitten one day hmm. because they wave their tails, wag their tails for different reasons. So you've got more going on than the tail. A high, uh, highly held tail that's moving back and forth rather stiffly is probably a suggestion. Don't go there don't go there. You'll also notice that there'll be a change in how they stand, whether they're leaning forward or they're leaning back. I think most people recognize that a dog is shy or fearful if the tail is way down between their legs. Right. And then uh, too many people don't respect that. Oh, you poor thing. The dog is saying, stay away. Please stay away from me. Oh, because a human thinks the dog is sad. And so the human tries to comfort the dog. Right. And if the dog oh. wanted comforting, the dog would go to you. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're saying, I want distance. Mm. And when a dog is really happy, there's a lot more going on than the tail. It is a whole body thing. And you've, you know, the, the, the mouth is open and they're panting and their eyes are lit up. And uh, it's, there's so much more going on than just the tail wag. And I don't remember what it is, but there's information of whether they move more to the right than they do to the left. And I've forgotten what it is, but there's there's a message to be held there. Yeah, it, it's very really? interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. It depends. The right and left have different meanings. Yeah, yeah. Because it, again, you know, we've got our right side of our brain and our left side of our brain do different things. And, and it's the same with the dogs. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And uh, one of the other things too that I just thought about, which you've we've we've talked about here several times, is hugging. You know, you don't want to hug your dog. The dog that's not what dogs do, and oftentimes make them uncomfortable. So, as you have suggested, teach your dog to accept the hugging. Now, yes. going back to the dog videos, and we've talked about these, where you know, as you said, you go away for a little while and you come back, and you know, sometimes the dog doesn't recognize you if they've been gone for a long time. But the dog, once the dog realizes what's going on and that you're back, they get all happy and they jump around yeah. and they do all that <laughs> stuff that you just talked about, and the tail's wagging and their mouth is open and they're panting. <laughs> but what happens, which I've noticed, is that the humans try to hug the dogs. Oh, yeah. And the dogs pull away every time. But the That's dogs right. are, you know, they'll rub up against the human and they'll twirl around the human and they'll jump on the human. But whenever the human tries to put their arms around them, the dog pulls away. Because it's, it's a, 
a hierarchical thing. If a dog is trying to take charge of another dog, one of the things they do is put a paw over their shoulders. Mm. And that's the that's that that's you know a suggestion of a hug. And it's a primate thing. Primates hug. Franz de Waal in uh, uh, Patricia McConnell's The Other End of the Leash has some photographs and it shows a couple of chimps walking and they've got their arms around one another. And then it's, he's got some photos in there of people with puppies, kids and adults. And the, the smiling faces holding the puppy and the dogs are like, oh, get me out of here right. now. I want away. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's important to teach dogs to accept it so you don't get your face ripped off. Yeah, I just thought that was really uh, that's so telling, uh, you know, that the dog is extremely happy to see you, but still doesn't want to hug. Right. There, there was there was uh, something that circulated for a while that was really indicative of what you're saying. The man had been very ill and had been gone for a long time. And I think I think he had lost a lot of weight. Anyhow, he was sitting out in the yard and on, a, on a, a bench or a stool or something. And the, the woman came out with the dog and the dog was not happy about this person being not there. All, yeah. Not at all. And was you know being cautious and so on. Got up close and got a sniff and is like, it's you. Oh my God, it's you, it's you, it's you. I never <laughs> thought I'd see you ever again. It's you, it's you, it's you. And it was, it was just heartwarming to see yeah. how happy this dog was. And I had something similar happen years ago with my Rottweiler. My son had been with me when I got the, the Roddy Bernie as a puppy. He was staying with me for a while. And then he was gone for almost two years. He went on a world wide trip he was gone just shy of two years and he came back and by that time of course bernie was a full-grown adult male rottweiler and and jay came to the door and and bernie sat right next to me and watched him and jay came in and it bernie got a sniff and you could just see it's you it's you <laughs> <laughs> but his initial response until he had a chance for that nose to get to work jay was not welcome he was not welcome he didn't belong there you don't you know you're not part of this family <laughs> and, and was, even as a puppy the dog remembered that smell yeah yeah, yeah. wow and, and i'm sure the the dog grew a lot in those two years a lot changed in the two years oh yeah but still the dog remembers our scent that's so yeah. cool well, okay, so Rottweilers, those have a big head. So a Rottweiler is not a Brachycephalic. No, 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 no. But they no. do have a big head. They have a big head, but they've got a big chest and neck to go with it and big, you know, big body. I mean, okay. they, don't have, they don't have those little tiny hips and a great big head that they can't get puppies through. No. Okay, okay. Yeah. The head is proportionate to their build. Their, their chest is deep and their shoulders are broad and, um, you know, they're... They're, they're, wider than a built to, they're built to be able to reproduce in a normal fashion. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a great dog too. I, I miss having a, a Rottweiler. Uh, yeah, it's a really good breed. It's a really nifty breed, but you know, unfortunately, you know, they, they are like a garden dog and they do need to be properly socialized and they need to, to learn good manners. They're big dogs and they, you know, they need to be addressed properly. Um, and I can remember people saying, well, you know, I don't want him to be friendly with people. He's got to learn to protect me. I said, he's got to be a puppy first. You got to be a puppy and learn about people and get some priorities. 
the protection time is later. That's not. Huh. They need to learn to be dogs and pep and get priorities. And as maturity comes along, a lot of this stuff surfaces very nicely, no problem. But first, let them be a dog. Let them be a puppy. So, do you think that the Rottweiler has the same stick or a similar stigmatism to like the pit bull? How well, everybody think thinks they're just time, mean dogs. I think a long time it was definitely uh, treated that way. Um, the pit bull has held that position for a much longer period of time than the Rottweilers. Sure. But any time a breed becomes popular, all things go wrong. You know, German Shepherds have had their turn at bat, and and uh, Dobermans have had their turn at bat, and right. Rottweilers had their turn at bat. Um, the Malinois, which is a Maligator, my my friend Kitty calls them, the Belgian Shepherd. Um, they're very quick to bite. They're very quick to bite. They're they're intelligent and they're they're great dogs, but again, they need to be properly chained. They need to have their priorities well established. Um, no, and I remember once in Mexico there was a, a trainer, a veterinarian and trainer, old school type punishment based and he gave a demonstration at a dog show of his dog doing it was a malinois um doing some retrieving and some you know some stuff and i thought it's a little strange that that dog has a bandana around its neck like <laughs> that's a little weird well we had a shock collar on oh geez and when the dog went into the ring with his son son of us and the little junior handler thing the judge reached over to give the, the child um, a ribbon and the dog bit him <laughs> uh, yes that's what shot callers will get you they'll get you a bite yeah it's you know it's it's uh, whenever there's pain involved you cannot decide for the dog what lesson the dog is learning or has learned or is going to learn that's a great way to put it. That's a terrific way to put it. Yeah. And dogs like us, they don't learn when they're being hurt. That that's, They're learning. They're learning all right. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're not learning point. what you may think they are learning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Charlotte. That will do it for this episode. And, uh, man, again, I... <laughs> I love this hour with you. I learned so much. I <laughs> I hope our listeners do too. Um, and Me so too. we we started off uh, with some not so good news, but it's very important because it's about that dry dog feed you keep feeding your dog. Don't do it. From Susan Thixton and her blog and website, I do believe it's a website, Truth About Pet Food. Find her there. She gives great information. She's a great resource. Let's just put it to you that way. Yeah, and she was knows. talking about foreign objects discovered in the dry dog feed bag so the owners buy this bag of dry dog feed which isn't food it's feed they open it up and there's a dead rat or there's metal or plastic someone found a nail in it and you know all these people you know they they wrote to the manufacturer and basically as we heard from charlotte's the manufacturer in charlotte's word said screw you guys <laughs> it's kind of Charlotte's words, but uh, yeah, they don't care. They willfully admit that they're breaking the law and that they do not care. So they don't care what you are. They don't care what they're selling you, and they don't care what you're feeding your dog. So the way to remedy that is to know what you're giving your dog by doing a raw food diet. 
or a home prepared diet. There you go, home prepared. Yeah. Home prepared. Let's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be raw, except for the bones. Bones always have to be raw when you're giving them to your dog. No cooked bones. And as Charlotte also says, it is not rocket science to get that balance correct. Then we moved on to from Dr. Zazie Todd, an article about the Brachycephalus. Those are the, the the dogs that have been bred to have their noses pushed in or like a flat face, kind of like the bulldogs and the pugs. These are doing that. We have really, really messed up those dogs by doing that. Uh, they are not healthy they have all sorts of uh, health issues because we have made them so that they don't have a full nose. And the French Bulldog is very, very popular, and we do not promote anything that has the French Bulldog in it because that is just promoting these brachycephalic breeds, and we do not want to do that, no matter how much I like watching them skateboard. <laughs> all right. And you can email us. We want to hear from you. Give us an email with your questions or comments or concerns. That email is livingwithyourdog at gmail.com. And uh, before we head out, Charlotte, do you have any last words for us? Yeah, and this is, this is, this is a saying that I think um, applies to our discussion about uh, what dogs tell us uh, and how they show us. And this is... Martin Buber said, an animal's eyes have the power to speak a great language. And the eyes do tell you a lot. They really do. All right, there you go. Living with your dog, living with your dog, living with your dog with Charlotte. Isn't that cool? Check out all the content brought to you by Redwood Sound Labs. Listen to the new show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in Living With Your Dog. Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite films. Spoilers abound, so scary movie fans beware. Watch no evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on the Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all these shows wherever you find podcasts.